0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, hundreds of bodies are found in unmarked graves at a former residential school in Saskatchewan.
1: I think we're going to find out this morning the numbers are pretty shocking. I mean, far in excess of of the uh, Kamloops discovery.
0: Aaron O'Toole denounces the movement to cancel Canada Day. We are not a perfect country. No country is. There is not a place on this planet whose history can withstand close scrutiny. But there is a difference between acknowledging where we've fallen short. There is a difference between legitimate criticism and always tearing down the country. And as this session of parliament comes to an end, election speculation continues to increase. To have an election in August or September when we are just getting past the point of vaccination would be to put at risk all the work that we've done so far. It's Thursday, June 24th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by National Post columnist John Iveson. John, thank you for being with us today. Good morning, Mark. Let's start with another discovery of the graves, the unmarked graves of children at a residential school in Saskatchewan. Um, I think a lot of people are expecting there will be more such discoveries in the days and weeks ahead. Um, what what does this all mean in the end, and and what action needs to be taken now, in addition to continuing to to look at other sites?
1: I think the the reaction to this will be uh, shock, but not surprise. The discovery in Kamloops I think shook people out of a, a sense of complacency about residential schools and reminded them about the cultural genocidal nature of these of the system, which was, was essentially designed to stamp out the Indian and these children. Uh, I think that this particular discovery, the Cowasis the First Nation in Saskatchewan, it's the uh, Marival Indian Residential School, which is uh, east of Regina. I think we're going to find out this morning the numbers are pretty shocking. I mean, far in excess of, of the uh, Kamloops discovery and the, the underground radar has discovered somewhere in the region of 750 bodies. So it's it's going to be again, a, a, you know, a shock to the system and will lead to further calls that uh, that reconciliation is increased in pace and, and that this, the evil of this system, which, you know, uh, you know, for some First Nations chiefs are coming out and saying, well, these kids were murdered. They weren't murdered, in my opinion, they weren't murdered as um, physically by members of the church, but they were put in a situation where um, their death was much more likely than it, than it was in, in certainly in, others, in the rest of society, because they were put in a situation where there you know, was corporate discipline, there was removed from the love and support of families, they were put in buildings that were not properly ventilated, that weren't given proper medical support, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, you know, the shock that people were feeling first time around is going to be, is going to be doubled and more.
0: Yeah. Now, related to that, there has been uh, a discussion about what should happen on Canada Day. Some people have been saying Canada Day should be cancelled, and you wrote about this in your column today. Aaron O'Toole, the Conservative leader, has responded to that. By defending Canada Day and saying the road to reconciliation should not involve, in his words, tearing Canada down. Um, so, what are your thoughts on that? First of all, from the the you know the whole debate over Canada Day celebrations, and then the angle that O'Toole is taking on this.
1: Well, I think O'Toole made this before the knowledge of the discovery in in Saskatchewan, so it wasn't in response to that. But he did say that he was um, he was shocked by what, he, what he'd heard um, coming out of Kamloops. He said, he found it very troubling and a necessary awakening that brutally forced us to confront our past. And he said that, now he's had a bit of a check in history on residential schools because he did defend them last year when he was talking to a group of students saying that they were designed to provide education. And he later walked that comment back, saying that the system really was designed to remove children from their homes and their traditions and their culture. But he said a a future Conservative government would mediate a renewed nation-to-nation relationship with Indigenous people based on the recognition of rights, respect, cooperation and partnership. So, you know, he's not diminishing the problem in any way, I don't think. But he did say that reconciliation does not involve tearing Canada down and that some people have used this uh, dreadful uh, past history as a means of attacking the idea of Canada itself. And he defended that and said he's proud of Canada and that um, Canada Day is when people of every background come together to give their thanks for living in what he called the greatest country in the world. He said Canada is not a perfect country, but no country is. And I think that that resonates with a lot of people. You know, I don't think it's mutually exclusive that you can think that the residential schools were a terrible stain on Canada's history and yet think that Canada is still a great country. And there seems to be, um, and he called it a small group of activists, but it seems to me it's more than a small group of activists who believe that because there's a terrible stain on Canada's past, that Canada cannot be a great country. Mm. O'Toole's conclusion was it's time to build Canada up, not tear it down, and try and fix some of these these wrongs. Um, You know, a commitment to respect, freedom, and inclusion should include everybody. And and there was a a poll by Angus Reid Institute last week that suggested that the majority of people, uh, the majority of Canadians, including the majority of people who voted Liberal at the last election, uh, do not agree with the statement that Canada is a racist country. Right, two thirds of Canadians don't don't agree with that. So I think there is, you know, obviously widespread shock and distaste and acknowledgement of the stain of the residential school system. But there is still a sense that Canada is doing better than most countries, and it's committed to racial equality and diversity. And so, O'Toole's made this, a, I think, a, a central plank of his of an election platform going forward, and I think it is an area of weakness for Justin Trudeau because I think Trudeau believes that everybody's as devoted to activism as he is, and yet many people don't agree with him on this issue. They don't, he has is regularly, in, in O'Toole's words, torn Canada down. We need, there was a quote that he gave earlier this year where just Jagmeet Singh, the NDP leader, talked about Canada being a place of racism. Trudeau talked about there being many institutions in the country, including Parliament, that's built around a system of colon- colonialism, discrimination, systemic racism. I think a lot of people find that hard to believe and they find it hard to accept. They like the idea of reconciliation. They don't particularly like the, the, the idea of them being involved in reconciliation and they don't accept the, the idea that they're responsible for some of these wrongs. Yeah. So we'll see, but I think that, that uh, O'Toole, not much of what he said has resonated with the public and I think this
0: might... Yeah, and and uh, of course, Parliament wrapped up yesterday, and we're into the summer now, and and there's wide expectation that the summer is going to be interrupted, perhaps in August, by uh, uh, the launch of an election campaign. Just quickly, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think it's it's more likely than not at the moment. Um, the polls are in are in Trudeau's favor. He's ta- he personally has talked about uh, obstructionism and toxicity in the House of Commons. Much of which the government has fomented, incidentally. We saw, well, we're going to talk about it later, but a, a, an online hate bill yeah. was un- introduced last evening, um, even as Parliament was wrapping up, which suggests that the, the government wants to get it out there, put it in the shop window, because it knows it's probably not coming back. And, and I think, you know, again, we'll talk about it, but it was a response to uh, the incident in London, Ontario. Um, and I think that. Uh, All of these signs, including all the MPs who made farewell speeches, point to us uh, going to the polls before too long.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Bill C-36, which would amend the Criminal Code and the Canadian Human Rights Act. Um, Tell us more, and and what do you think about it?
1: Well, you know, as I mentioned, it's related to the incident in London. There's a kind of outcry, what are we going to do about this? And this is is something, it's been something the government's worked on. Uh, It would define hatred as an emotion that involves detestation or vilification uh, that is stronger than dislike or disdain. It it narrows a previous—there was a a Section 13 of the Human Rights Act, which was criticized and um, repealed by the Conservatives. Formerly, it said it was anything that was likely to expose a person to hatred or contempt— based on race gender religion now they're going to narrow that to say it would have to be something that goes beyond merely upsetting people but and they've created so that so that so any complaints would would then be referred to the human canadian human rights commission and eventually would go to the tribunal but to me this is like trying to put out a wildfire with a, a thimble full of water i mean you're going to see masses of complaints about comments that are made on Twitter, for example. And they will go to the Human Rights Commission, which will then have to sift through them and decide whether they meet the necessary criteria, some of which will go on to a tribunal, which will take potentially years to, to settle before anything's removed from, from site. I mean, this is a, a really, I think, a symbolic gesture that narrows and, and defines what, what hatred is, but won't actually do anything about it. I mean, there is apparently going to be another bill coming down which de- deals with the the platforms, the online platforms, and the way that they they deal with um, with people who post stuff. I mean, to me, that's where you might actually get into the uh, to affect the problem. Right. Frankly, if you made everybody on Twitter put their real name on a registration form, that might do it. Yeah. I mean, we we saw on online um, uh, comment boards and in, in, in the post, for example, at the end of every story there would be comments. Uh, I mean, they were just vile. It was an open sewer. By making people register their names and actually moderating them, it became less of a sewer. still pretty bad, but it's better. Um, I think, you know, when anybody can register on Twitter with a fake name and a bunch of numbers after it and then just spew hatred, you're not going to stop that by creating a new bureaucracy.
0: Yeah. All right. We'll see what happens over the summer. John, thank you very much for joining us today. Have a great summer, Mark. That's John Iveson of the National Post. This Parliament seems to have run its course. Uh, it was strange to begin with, but it's had an end-of-days feeling about it for the last few weeks. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Susan Delacourt writes, If these are the last days of Canada's 43rd Parliament, then good riddance. Delacourt writes... History books will record this Parliament as one of the oddest ever. And some experts may marvel that it worked at all, given the pandemic obstacles, not to mention the toxic politics of a minority rule. But few will argue that it didn't last long enough. Canadians are in a mood to move on, and so is the 43rd Parliament. In the National Post, Kelly McParland argues it isn't in the DNA of Canadian governments to take strong stands on international matters. McParland writes, It would be naive to expect Canada to display a hint of backbone in responding to Hong Kong's destruction. We prefer to wait for others to take the lead. So it was good news that the G7 countries finally confronted China's nature at its recent summit. Having other countries sign up for an effort to slow Beijing's repressive expansion is the kind of safety blanket Ottawa looks for. If countries like the U.S., Great Britain, and Germany are willing to take the brunt of the action, Canadian politicians feel safer tucked into the rearguard. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun writes, There's a chance that in the years to come, researchers may conclude that lockdowns, in fact, did more harm than good. The Sun writes, We have always backed initiatives that aim to protect the vulnerable, support our health care system, and do what needs to be done to minimize preventable deaths from COVID-19. But we're skeptical about whether completely shutting down low-risk activities for low-risk persons really accomplished any of those goals. Canadians are no doubt grateful to have what reopenings we're already enjoying. That's not how it should work. We shouldn't applaud the government for table scraps that are slowly doled out. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will be in private meetings. The Minister of Digital Government, Joyce Murray, will make an announcement about support for small businesses. Diversity Minister, Bardish Chagger will virtually announce support for green infrastructure in the regional municipality of Waterloo. And the Special Representative for the Prairies, Jim Carr, will make an announcement about support for small businesses. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, June the 24th. Tune into primetime politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.